You are listening to the SitRep Podcast, your source for historic wargaming with a fresh perspective. We review the latest and greatest products in wargaming, discuss rules and what-if scenarios, and we cover the news and the latest trends. This is all brought to you by your SitRep command team from around the world. Join us for another riveting conversation here on the SitRep Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. We have the command crew in-house and around the world. Starting outside of the perimeter of the command bunker is our historical guru, Big Jim Ariskany. Jim, how are you doing today? Hey, what's going on? How's Florida? I'm anxious to hear since uh, I'll be down there in a couple days. Uh, it feels like uh, Ireland lately. We've got the stalled front over us. It's yeah. drizzling rain on us. Unusual. Usually in Florida, when it rains, it means it. Yeah. Um, you get like a week's worth of rain in 10 minutes. Uh, but today, it's uh, well, this front's finally moving, so maybe it'll finally clear up a little bit. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So we're waiting on our grand friend, Chris, from the Great White North. He's out chasing a moose somewhere in the Canada. Um, so he'll be joining us when he's able to. And then Gaz, our... Uh, painting guru or bob ross of sit rep podcast is uh taking a break today he's a little under the weather and he's been working a lot of night shifts i didn't know the british army worked night shifts to be honest with you especially in aviation but they've been having him working uh the swing shift and he's a little tuckered out so uh he's gonna take a leave day so with me in the studio is marty Hey, 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 what's up, everybody? And we have a special guest. It's our friend Chris, the computer guy. Howdy. The IT guy. We talked about, you know, they're replaceable. They're a dime a dozen, yada, yada, yada. But it is Chris. So uh, this is Bill, and we are getting into the podcast. So the first thing we want to talk about today is the transit game. The transit game finished. And we are ready to transition into, hey, you like that? Transition into the transition? Uh, into the tabletop 28 millimeter game. Uh, if you looked yesterday, we did a surprise five, 10 minute live stream and uh, reviewed the table. Um, I guess there's some issue with YouTube saying it's not available or waiting on it going live or something. Yeah. I will hop into YouTube uh, studio behind the scenes and see if I can fix that problem. Um, but it is up on uh, Facebook and it was on Twitch as well. Um, so you need to check it out. We showed the table finally finished, fully done. And we announced contests, right, Marty? We did two of them, two of them. And uh, one of the contests is uh, where somebody that's right. So uh, during the uh, recording of the game, there is a miniature hidden on the table that does not belong on the table during the scenario. So the first uh, the person who can mention that uh, will win a prize. And we determined it was going to be the convention minis. Yes. The Spectre uh, miniatures convention minis. Um, so there you go. All right. So, Jim. Why don't you give us the uh, briefing, uh, the debrief on the transit game and where we stand when we start up the 28 mil tabletop game? Okay, so the transit game uh, is complete for our 13 days to 13 hours project, um, like uh, Bill was mentioning. And this tracks the progress 
of six GRS operators plus a local interpreter from the CAA Annex in downtown Benghazi, about a mile, depending on how you measure it, um, from the CIA Annex to the um, American Ambassador's uh, Consulate Compound, uh, a short distance away. About 9.40 p.m. Uh, on uh, September 11th, 2012, that Consulate Compound came under uh, direct attack um, from hostile uh, militia forces. Uh, the little bit of February 17th Brigade, I'll explain what that is in a little bit, um, local friendly militia, or at least, you know, employed by our, you know, government uh, militia, uh, was overrun or just simply ran away. And, uh, yeah, so the consul was in real trouble. Um, historically, there was a lot of uh, question. I don't want to get into the politics here because that's still kind of a hot topic uh, here in the States. As far as who is responsible, um, why wasn't more force sent at, you know, faster and so on and so forth. Um, so historically they were delayed. The GR, the six GRS uh, private military contractors that were at the CIA annex that could have helped uh, the situation up at the consulate were delayed by 35 minutes. And by the time they got to the compound, the, the attack was, you know, uh, still in progress, but mostly subsiding. Uh, several buildings were on fire. And uh, the American ambassador uh, in the consulate compound had uh, passed away due to smoke inhalation. So what we did in our transit game was imagine what would have happened if they had left, at, you know, as soon as the attack started. Um, you know, we're calling it like turn one or minute zero or, you know, turn zero. If they had left right away. So they left right away. The trade-off is there's a lot more resistance because they said that attack on the console compound is still in full swing. Um, the various militia units—I I stress the word—I I use the word units very generously. Uh, the various militia uh, gangs that were attacking that that uh, consulate compound um, had not yet started to lose interest, take casualties, um, you know, loot nearby buildings, loot the consulate compound. You know, who knows what they were doing? But they, they kind of just kind of the, the attack was in, historically was dissipating. That hasn't happened yet. So they get there on time. However, they have to fight a lot more. Uh, they have to fight a lot more forces to get there. And uh, the uh, idea of this project, again, people who have been watching our podcast probably know by now, is that how the transit game turns out is going to, uh, you know, set up the start conditions for the 28 millimeter game uh, that Bill and Marty are running uh, up there in Chicago. So Gaz and I, Gaz and I played the game. Um, uh, last week, uh, we've, um, you know, had a little bit of, um, yeah, we, we've gone ahead and put all these videos up on YouTube and all of our channels or whatever, uh, that show all that, check those out. They're slightly edited down. So, so, so there's like three, three, three YouTube videos that are a little less than an hour a piece. Um, it's all together like, like about an hour and 45 or two and a half, like two hours and 45 minutes or so that show how these, uh, how this transit game actually went out. So we got there in six minutes instead of the historical seven. Um, we left on like minute one or two of the attack instead of, you know, minute 35 of the attack. Um, so we've gotten there, oh Lord, something probably like 9.50 um, p.m. instead of a little bit after 10, uh, like 10.10 or 10.15 uh, in the evening of uh, September 11th, 2012. So we got there in time, got there on turn six, and uh, we had a mechanic where, you know, depending on what turn the uh, the GRS has actually reached the consulate compound, whether or not the ambassador is still alive. 
And um, the longer you wait, the longer it takes you to get there, the worse the chance gets. I got there on turn six, which was part of the good news. I was the GRS player. And the, uh, the American ambassador is still alive. Uh, I got there on turn six. The chart indicated a three-up roll on our D6 to see if he was okay. And we rolled before. So as of now, the, the ambassador is, is still okay. Um, I don't know whether or not his building is on fire yet. That's going to be mostly up to you guys. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, right for the moment, he's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, but not, the not so hot news is that we got there on turn six instead of on turn, you know, 42 or whatever. Right. If we count the 35 minutes of the, of the original delay. So that means, uh, that there's a lot more militia compounds there. Our role was 4d20 plus 10. We're supposed to wind up with, if you do the math, that winds up with an average of 54. Uh, the average roll on a D20 is 11. So 4 times 11 is 44 plus 10. We're supposed to wind up with about 54. We rolled a little too high on those D20s. We wound up with a 60. <laughs> yeah, sorry. sorry about that. <laughs> Apologies. Um, we wound up with 65 um, militia there um, at the console compound. Um, we also have a little bit more bad news in that one of our uh, GRS operators, historically they all made it there okay because there wasn't too much combat. Well, I won't say too much. Um, there was a lot more combat in our game to get there than there was historically because, again, we got there like 20 minutes earlier. 20, 20 or 25 minutes earlier. Mm -hmm. So we wound up with um, Roan, who in the context of my game is severely wounded. And uh, that's probably the wrong adjective. Um, basically, he's still combat effective. He's just reduced. He moves at one less movement and um, his attack dice class, uh, force on four style, goes from a D10 to a D8. Yeah. So He's knocked down one level, uh, basically, because um, he, he is limping a little bit. Uh, he's still combat effective. He's just not uh, not quite 100%. He's like maybe 75%. Um, and we also had Roan. Sorry, we had Tig. That was Roan I was just talking about. Uh, we had Tig, who, um, who was hit very bad. Um, he's okay. Or I should say he's alive. Um our game has, again, lightly wounded, which is basically like a Hollywood wound. You have a little bit of blood on your T-shirt. You basically have like a sexy scar now. You're fine. Um, a, 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 a cinematic wound, for lack of a better term. Sure. Uh, there's that. Then there's severe wound, which is, okay, you actually do have, you know, a little bit of a game effect. Uh, and then there is um, incapacitated, which means you're alive, um, but you're unconscious. Yeah. There's two ways you can get there. You, you can either be you can either be hit and instantly incapacitated, or you can be severely wounded and uh, suffer an additional wound through the blood loss. We have bleed out checks and rules for that. So I mention all that because again, T is incapacitated. However, Madi, the interpreter, did make a successful medic check and has stabilized him, so he's no longer bleeding out. He can't die. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> otherwise, otherwise every. Always every turn, you have to make another bleed-out check, and eventually you're going to fail that roll. And whenever you fail a, a, a bleed-out check, you go, whatever level you're on, you go down one. So if you're severely wounded, you become incapacitated. Basically, you pass out through blood shock or uh, through blood loss. Or if you're incapacitated and you fail a bleed-out check, the next level down is, you know, the great unknown, yeah. you know. And uh, that's it for that. So Monty did make the check. He is incapacitated but still, um, still alive, and he's stabilized. 
So if you guys wanted to like give him a shot of adrenaline and bring him back its really wounded status, that's up to you guys. Mm-hmm. Our game does have a mechanic for that. I was one digit away. I needed to roll a six and a D six and I rolled a five. Close, so he was yes. close. Yeah. If you guys want to bring them back for game balance, you definitely can. Well, um, um, there is mention of combat medic in the rule set, uh, the latest playtest edition, but they say those rules will be coming in the next edition. So we are going to wing it. Um, we're going to come up with something on on that to see if we can at least, you know, stabilize enough where he can hold the spot. Obviously, he's not going to be an active participant, but at least he can right. be a defender at some point. Yeah, we're going to, you know, the goal is, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to, like, respawn him, but, uh, you know, keep, uh, we're not going to allow him to bleed out unless he's injured again. You know, I mean, if he right. takes an RPG to the face, uh, you know, it is what it is, but uh, we, we don't want to have to uh, have him not be uh, a participant at all and then just bleed out in two turns. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, at the end of this game, at the, at the end of the transit game, he's not bleeding. Yeah. At the same time, he has not yet been attended to by an actual combat medic. Yeah. In a moving car, the interpreter, like, slapped a field dressing on him and probably gave him a shot of morphine or something. I mean, you know, basically got him stabilized to where he, he won't die. Right. Immediately, right. you know. Um, so he hasn't actually had a combat a combat medic. Um, I should take a look at him or whatever, like a trained, you know, medical professional. He's just been, you know, literally it was the interpreter. Yeah. And I use the interpreter because when in, in our game system, um, you can either, you know, uh, make a first aid check or fire and he has no weapons anyway. So I basically used him as my backup medic, uh, to keep as many of my GRS operators firing as fast as possible. Um, cause I was, I, I was getting bum rushed, man. <laughs> I was getting bum rushed. Uh, I, I think we had 13, either, uh, we had, we had 13, uh, militia either hit, well hit basically. We don't track wounds for the militia. Um, so probably at least half of those killed, uh, and half of those badly wounded. Yeah. We shot the hell out of the militia going in there, blew up one, uh, technical, um, carrying a, uh, douche, uh, 50 caliber machine gun. That was um, yeah. Uh, it wasn't as violent as some of the playtesting games because I was trying to be a little bit more careful because um, this one was for keeps, you know, so to speak. And, uh, yeah, my goal was just to get as many GRS operators to the console as I could as fast as I could. Um, and we got there with the team more or less intact and the ambassador alive. Well, so Gaz, I'll take it. Gaz is playing long ball on this because, you know, his goal was to uh, go ahead and uh, see what he could do to uh, reduce the GRS forces prior to arriving at the the compound but he's also looking forward to hey if we play another game what guys do i have left on the table yes so historically yes the grs operators go from the cia annex to the consulate compound they do what they can there they pick up the state department survivors and so on and then they go from the uh, consulate compound back to the cia annex i know you guys know this but you know for our listeners that's a third battle and then later on in the wee hours of the morning of 12 September, there's an all-out attack on the compound, com- complete with uh, light artillery support. I think they had a Soviet 82-millimeter mortar there. Yeah, yeah it's a mortar fire. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's when it gets really, really nasty. So fire, by the way. Well, I, yeah, mortar's an easy weapon to train. Uh, I won't say easy, but um, it's easy to build, maintain. Make, you can even probably make your own ammo for it if, in, in, you know, in a pinch. Um, it's... Uh, it's a, it's a nasty piece of equipment in the right hands. Uh, World War II, 
more Allied casualties were um, inflicted by mortars than any other German weapon. I mean, for all the talk we hear about Stukas and MG42s and Hitler's buzzsaw, it's the little 81-millimeter Granatenwerfer 34. That that thing put more people in the hospital and more people in the ground um, than anything else. So, yeah, that 80-millimeter mortar family, Americans make an 81. This, the Germans made an 80. They called it an 81 for some reason. The Soviets have an 82. You know what I mean? Like the general 80-millimeter mortar, medium battalion mortar. Yeah. When, you, when one of those shows up on your battlefield, you've got uh, you, you've got an issue. Right. That's for damn sure. Yeah, because they can be very effective and very accurate. High rate of fire, too, if you have the, um, the training and the ammo for it. Right, yes, absolutely. Excellent. So uh, that's where we come in, yeah? So <laughs> how are we starting this game off? Well, we had to determine how we're going to use the, how are we going to play the bad guys, right? We couldn't do one to one. Uh, we'd be here until next week. Yeah, if we use for uh, combat and turn. We use Sangin's combat uh, phase mechanism. Each one of those miniatures uh, basically <laughs> gets four shots per combat phase <laughs> to do something. And well, let's see. There's uh, you know a dozen GRS when you include or eleven GRS when you include all the DSS guys with them, plus sixty five dudes. I mean. <laughs> It'd take us a week to play the game. Yeah. So uh, we came up with a spawning, and uh, Jim had brought up, and then Gaz and I on the Thursday show had talked about using playing cards for activation. Um, and then Jim brought up, a, a created a very quick spreadsheet, those math people. And, uh, I spell curve. Yep. So we have that uh, in play. And um, other than that... Uh, so we, we have it where the regular, quote-unquote, militia or infantry, you know, it's like a red card. And then the black card is the ones with special weapons like an RPK or RPG, something like that. Yep. Um, right. So we'll shuffle those up, and then we're going to roll a D. We're going to roll two D6. Uh, the first D6 is going to be for how many units will activate that turn for the enemy. So once we know that, so we're going to use a six-sided die. Uh, one, two is a one. Three, four is a two. And five, six is a three. So it could be up to three potential activations per turn for a militia. Then once we've determined how many units will activate, we're going to uh, roll dice for each of those activations. And that will determine which gate they're coming in. So uh, one, two, and three is the main north gate. Four and five is the south gate, and then six is that little pedestrian gate. Uh, since historically most of the activity happened at the main gate, with some of it coming in the back gate. So we thought we'd model it that way, and that was a suggestion by our friend Chris. Uh, good job, Chris. Thank you, thank you. Um, so once we know when, so if we say, okay, uh, where you draw the first card, it's a, say a red five. Red five? Red 5, standing by. Dude, you, you totally lost the moment. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. All right. Anyway, so if Red 5 pulls up, and then we roll the dice, and okay, he's coming in the front gate, we know to put that unit. So we've made unit cards for each card. So, so like for Red 5, we've already done all the stats and everything for those five people. So all we have to do is say, okay, it's going to be Red 5. We pull that stat card up for that unit, and it includes those five minis. We put them on the table. And then they will fight as a cohesive, well, theoretically, as a cohesive unit, right? Because it is militia, nothing's cohesive about them. Um, and the, uh, you know, much like in the transit game, we're not going to track wounds on these guys. If they're hit, they're done. Yeah. Yeah. 
whether it's oppressed or hit, they're gone. Because if you think about it, these are, per the Sangin rules, you're either considered a civilian, which is like zero training and you're just part of a mob, or a novice, which means you may have been in some little street battle somewhere, maybe, you know, very limited experience. Um, So if you get hit, you know, or it comes under suppression, these people aren't going to stick around. They're going to, you know, want to save their own ass and they're going to run away. So if you're killed, you're killed. If you're suppressed, you're suppressed, right? Yeah. Uh, we th- we talked about doing some kind of suppression, but it seemed like a lot of bookkeeping. And really, like I said, you know, if you're a civilian and you're just going along with the crowd and the guns start shooting and you're not hyped up anymore, what are you going to do? You're going to turn tail and run to save your own ass. So we figured that was probably the most realistic thing to do and the easiest on bookkeeping to make the game flow. Yeah, and again, with that amount of uh, miniatures and uh, bad actors trying to keep the bookkeeping down to a dull roar. Otherwise, yeah. you know, the, the, the game doesn't need to be that crunchy, uh, you know, with that amount of figures. You know, if you're playing a, uh, you know, a traditional uh, Sangin battle where it's uh, a four to six man team, you know, fighting another, uh, you know, four to eight man element, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. You know, and it, and it can add to the, the realism and whatnot. But w- with the amount of bad guys that we got to deal with, it's, it's not practical. Yep. So uh, well, that's. Also, I mean, yeah, these, uh, these GRS guys are wearing, you know, Kevlar armor. They're wearing Kevlar vests. Yep. Uh, they're heavily armored. They did take several hits, and it, you know, the armor just, you know, took it. And um, I mean, I'm sure they were, you know, worse for wear for, you know, for a few seconds, but you know, they weren't knocked out of the battle. These GRS, I mean, these uh, these militia guys, some of them aren't even wearing T-shirts. <laughs> right. Um, right. No, I'm serious. Yeah. You know, they're out there. You know, they're, they're out there with just like you know a pair of boxer shorts and flip flops or whatever. And as we um, discovered, a life preserver will not stop. Him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, he he did make an appearance uh, in the transit game. I don't think he actually got in the combat, but he was there. Um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Yellow uh, life preserver oh, guy. How did he get shot? Uh, Oh, uh, I could be wrong. That, um, hey, if he didn't get shot, then maybe the light preserver worked. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> he was. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, but you know these these militia guys. You know, they historically the attack broke up because they got bored. Um, there was a there was a famous uh, or a high profile soccer game on that night. Um, there was a lot of looting going on, so. Mm-hmm. If we can't hold these militia units together in the face of a soccer game and a new TV in that storefront window, um, they're not going to definitely stay together. You know, when they actually start taking a lot of gunfire. So when these guys get hit, that that was our um, logic in the in the uh, in the transit game. Number one, yeah, we'd be here till Christmas if we try to track wounds for the uh, for the for the militia for as the well, sixty-five bad guys on the table. And at the same time, uh, <laughs> we're going to. Um, <laughs> Our, uh, our our GRS guys just aren't going to make it. Right. You know, these guys have to have to start evaporating um, quickly. So, yeah, I mean, they get hit, you know, they start bleeding heavily. Um, number one, they're not wearing body armor, so they're going to get hurt worse than uh, the GRS guys. Number two, um, they don't have the training that these GRS guys have. These GRS guys weren't military anymore. They were all uh, private military contractors, but they're former Marine uh, uh, Marine Special Forces. Uh, there was, like I think, two Navy SEALs. There was an Army Range. I mean, I yeah. can't remember all their background, but these were serious dudes. Yeah, they're, they're um, all elite so yeah, definitely. So num- that's factor number two. And then factor number three, the GRS and the State Department people are surrounded. It's escape 
or die. Mm-hmm. Um, these militia, these militia guys have other options, like that new TV in the window across the street. Or you know, they're gonna say to the go hell home. with this. <laughs> yeah, throw, <laughs> throw a break through the window, get the TV on that soccer game. We might get just in time for the halftime show. It's it's fine. So yeah, um, yeah. If, don't track wounds for these guys. Once they get for a whole bunch of reasons, once they get hit, they're off the table. Yeah. So, yep. So that's where we are with that. So that's how we're going to do. So then the next question is, how do we move, move them or engage them? Right. You know, so if we steal from another game where the activity is, is where or where they see the nearest quote unquote enemy is where they move to or, you know, shoot to. Right. So. Yeah, as, as oh, so an our, AI mechanic for yeah. the bad guys. I was going to say, so you guys are both playing GRS? Yeah, we're going to play the GRS and okay. have the uh, uh, militia be an AI type thing. Yeah. Essentially, I mean... Nobody yeah. likes to play the bad guys. I can't play bad guys. It's <laughs> well, against my uh, DNA. Well, and, Just and, from the person who played Waffen SS, the Prokhorovka? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think that's exactly true. Well, okay. Shh. We don't talk about that. Anyway. But, yeah. Uh, you, you know, it's just... The reason being is because... Yeah, I don't know. It's just the way we figured it to... Yeah. Well, no, I mean, we're uh, honestly, we're going to be playing both sides is yeah. really what it comes down to. You know, it's um, so it's not like it's going to be totally autonomous. And, um, you know, it's just this is how we're going to do it. And we'll go from there. We want it to be as chaotic as possible, um, you know, because we're, we're trying to simulate that chaos. Well, and, you know, looking at, uh, you know, what we did in character creation and, and knowing. the Yeah. Way to go there. Uh, well, Okay, so the GRS doesn't necessarily have the highest initiative. Sorry, I wasn't rolling well. <laughs> um, but what they lack in initiative, their their skills skills scores uh, definitely make up for. Yeah. So I mean, it it is going to be uh, a numbers game for the bad guys. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be what because they're going to get murdered in mass. <laughs> and that's the way it should be theoretically. I mean, it's literally a tower defense game, if you will. You know, it's that horde. Um, you know, you got a small def- group of defenders or attackers, however you want to put them in this one, against a large horde. And it's you know, how many can we kill? It's it's a Rourke's Drift scenario. It's a last yeah. stand scenario. You know, one one yeah. the other one didn't. You know, but um, so and, you know, in this one. It, it, it's even more interesting because it's fast acting, modern weapons, and from the sound of it, it sounds like you guys want to do that return transit game. So we've yeah. got to now, instead of going, oh, we just got to, you know, make the ambassador survive, whether it's one guy. Yeah. Now we got to see how many guys we can get out of the compound in vehicles because nobody wants to do a Mogadishu mile no. with an ambassador, right? Yeah, not in that neighborhood. Because right. You know, Jim was mowing them down earlier. They're probably pretty pissed. Right. So well, there's uh, not many of them left. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> at least the hostels. There's a lot. There, there's a lot of ambivalent out there. Um, so uh, yeah, our game had ambivalent uh, militia, friendly militia, and also a hostile militia. And uh, the game mechanics um, uh, supported militia kind of switching back between these three states. It's, it's sort of a protein militia um, kind of a thing. Um, so when we left the transit game, there were very few 
uh, hostile militia left because, mm-hmm. um, yeah. quite frankly, they, they, most of them attacked me, and I had to kill them in order to get to the compound. Um, no vehicles. Uh, there's a lot of ambivalent out there, and the street is tense. So the street can be in five states, um, which is straight out hostile. Like It's like literally Mogadishu on that afternoon, like the whole city is rising up against you. Um, it can be tense, which is not quite so bad. Then there's uh, – I'm sorry – uh, agitated, which is not quite so bad. Then there's tense, which is in the middle. Um, and then there's a uh, quiet and then serene, which is almost like, you know, I won't say a normal city, but, uh, but pretty damn close. Um, and then that modifies that, you know, like what militias show up, how the, re- how the reinforcements table worked, what side that militia's on, um, and so on and so forth. So it, when we left, a lot of ambivalent militia out there, which, necess- you know, they won't shoot at you until they become hostile or until you shoot at them. However, the street was agitated. So there's a there, there's going to be a positive number for the enemy militia player to turn those people hostile against you. So mm-hmm. it's not bad yet, um, but it's not, it's, it's you know, there's a lot of people out there and they're more angry than happy um, is the long and short of it. Right. So, we have a very interesting uh, afternoon um, getting this game. So, here's the schedule as we see it. So, today, today is Monday, October 5th. Today is Sunday. Today is Monday. Today is Monday, the day we release the recording. There you go. I apologize. Yeah. Monday. Yeah, so Monday would be the 5th. Okay, so today is Monday, October 5th. I have to teach some people how to do things in recording land, but that's okay. Anyhow, so at the time of you listening to this recording, which is Monday, October 5th, we'll have recorded the uh, tabletop game. Yes. Um, Being a Sunday um, when the game was recorded, Jim will also have played his live stream. It's always gaming with Jim on Sundays. We got to get you like a Mr. Rogers theme song or something for, you know, Sunday gaming. Wouldn't that be cool? Mr. Rogers. I've got some theme. Wants to go with you know, it'd be like, you know, won't you be my, won't you be my opponent or something like that. <laughs> no, no. Bob Ross for gas was bad enough. Now I got to be Mr. Rogers. That's not happening. <laughs> So, uh, Sunday, uh, you're doing Letters of Mark, yes? Uh, yep. All right. So, a little pirate action, a little uh, high seas, uh, wooden sails, Iron Men type stuff. Now, and- we've been playing around with Letters of Mark for a while. Like, uh-huh. just how system work, let's have some fun pirate battles. Um, for Sunday's game, we actually tried a... Uh, a historical uh, encounter. So, I mean, Letters of Mark is a very, you know, light system, uh-huh. but um, I, we are starting to add a little to it. Excellent. So we've we've started to, like, tweak some of the ship types that you can have in that game uh-huh. to make them more historically accurate to what was actually there. Okay. So we found an encounter that took place for April uh, 1716, uh, the Bay of Hounds on the northwest coast of Cuba. Um, we've got the personalities, we've got the people, we've got the ships, we've got their names, their approximate types. Uh, their approximate positions, and we're going to have like an actual historical. Because up until now, it's just been, hey, look, it's the pirates versus the Spanish, you know, yeah. Sid Meier's pirates, you know, uh, style. Whoa, it's fun, you know. But now we're actually <laughs> trying to knuckle down and do some uh, 
do some borderline. Well, yeah, it's not borderline. It's historical, but it's like it's it's still historical light, but it's still consistent sure. better stuff. Mark, right. um, <laughs> excuse me. But we are trying to sort of transition into the more serious uh, historical side of the subject. Perfect. So that, that must have been an amazing game. So you guys, uh, make sure you're checking out the live stream or the recording if you don't pick up the live stream. Uh, you can always join in on the action on Sundays with Jim and the live stream. Uh, it's recorded or broadcast on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook. Uh, there's a Discord channel. So you can get into the action. Whether you're playing the game uh, yourself or not, you can get in on the action. It's always a good uh, thing to follow along if you're doing some hobbying. Um, so that's on Sundays. Uh, Monday will be the release of the podcast. Thursday, we're releasing the recorded, edited version of the tabletop 13 days to 13 hours game. So that will be released on Thursday night because um, that gives me enough time to um, edit it and all that good stuff. Um, just remember, there are a couple contests out there. Marty, you want to take people through that? So the first one is... Uh Bill put a post out uh, yesterday uh, saying that, uh, you know, if you are able to uh, determine who wins, and when we say who wins, it's not just, oh, the bad guys killed all the GRS, or the GRS, you know, made it out alive. You know, we, we would like some level of detail, you know, is the ambassador still alive? How many uh, GRS survived? You know, that type of thing. Uh, but uh, we, will, uh, we will select one of those folks. Uh, who is uh, closest to correct to uh, what are we winning on that one? That's the, the starter Spectre set, right? Miniatures two-player starter yeah, set. Two-player starter set, which, by the way, everybody in the room has here, and uh, you know, uh, I think that we uh, can all say that uh, we're pretty impressed with them and we like it. Uh, additionally, this was kind of a last-minute fun thing. Uh, there is a miniature that is on the table. And mm -hmm. We did a little flyby yesterday in our in our surprise pop up uh, live cast, uh, showing off the table, and the miniature was on the table already. And if you didn't catch it there, it will remain on the table during the entire game. So at some point in the game, if you notice a miniature that isn't one of the GRS, it isn't one of the bad guys. And it may be a miniature you've seen before if you're a follower of the podcast and, uh, you know, watch our, watching us on YouTube, then, uh, you know, make mention of that. And that uh, winner will receive a uh, Spectre convention mini, right? Yep, convention minis. Now, yep. you can't only put just the name of the miniature. You have to put where it is. Because I thought about this last yep. night. With the hints we just gave, if you're a pretty astute uh, follower, you pretty much might guess what it is. Yes, both of you could figure it out. Yes, both of you. <laughs> so uh, you need to tell us what it is and where it is, and then we'll pick from those people. Yeah, so, so it's a ministry you guys have already had. Uh-huh. You, you guys didn't go out and buy, like, a Pennywise the Clown, like, hiding behind the building with a little it. red balloon. That would have been or... cool. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a predator. Oh, I have predator somewhere. Oh, there you go. Predator versus alien? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yes, uh, make sure you uh, tell us what it is and where it is. We didn't say anything about putting out a decoy miniature, though. We could put out some other crap. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, it's that dude from Lord of the Rings. Uh, no, no. That's not the one. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Um, do we have any Tuesday content this week? Is Gaz have a 
Bruin view this week? Do we know? I have not heard anything. And okay. uh, again, he's not feeling so hot. Yeah. So I don't know what's happening on Tuesday. All right. Hopefully Chris has got some content then. I hope. I hope. Um, other than that. Streams, Chris, rivers and streams. Yeah. Uh, other than well, that. I, let's... I haven't heard. I, I haven't heard anything from either of them. Okay. And I, I, I have usually heard from now. Because yeah. I have to do the write up and the thumbnails and so on. So odds are not good. Um, if I haven't heard anything from either of them, I'll come up with something. All right. Well, uh, if you can't, we'll see if we can come up with some. We're, we're trying to train uh, Chris and Marty how to use the set studio equipment because they're building a studio in Chris's house. Um, and then Marty's going to put in his video on how to create the vineyards. So because um, those are really nice. All right. So let's change gears. Javier, Marty will let you go first. Uh, so Remember the rules, Marty. So so all of my hobby <laughs> uh, ha- has been related to finishing the uh, uh, the table. You know, so um, one, I haven't done a ton of it because the table was about done. But uh, you know, I did build and install the the back gate and the side personnel gate. Uh-huh. That. Uh, I made the little planter. Uh, yeah, it looks the, good for yeah. the circle drive in the ambassador's residence. Uh, I painted up uh, a couple. <laughs> As it turns out, Jim, we need to paint up some more minis. I'm sure all 65 minis do not attack at the same time. Uh, the cameras historically picked up 60 faces, but they attacked in several waves. So although there's 65 <laughs> hostels, I don't think you need 65 miniatures. Um, I think we're clocking in at 53, 54 that we've got. So that ought yeah. to be plenty. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, but uh, but when they're all on the table, it's uh, pretty impressive. Yeah, I was gonna say that that'll that'll be pretty awesome. And then uh, let's see, what else have I done? That's about it, really. Yeah, you brought I the mean, smoke markers and stuff. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. yeah With the tea light, right? Yeah, yeah. So so Jim, I just happened to have some tea light smoke markers. Uh, nice. So you know, I, I heard you mention that, and I'm like, ooh, I got those. <laughs> I'll bring some of them. <laughs> Yeah. So you'll, you you uh, may see some of those on the board depending on the action. Yeah. So yeah. Those always look good on twenty eight millimeter tables. Fifteens not so much because it, it, you're just not you know the scale's too big. Right. But for twenty eights, absolutely. Yeah. So I've got one that's like a really nice painted up uh, you know on fire explosion, and the rest of them are just like the the little white cloud with uh with black. Yeah. So uh, Jim, quick question for you. We were checking this um, the one GRS vehicle that got destroyed that was on fire where is it located uh it's uh, oh god I it's don't outside the compound right it's outside the compound it's on that north street okay uh-huh. so you go out the front gate uh-huh. um there's that street that's running you know obviously left and right uh-huh. you turn right uh-huh. it's i think three i will call it 200 yards down the road okay to the right to the east slightly to the north yeah because okay. the road is like not quite right. not yeah. quite all right uh, so i don't we don't have to worry about modeling it because i was sit, thinking about that last oh, night no. uh, yeah. and i'm like well i have extra vehicles and i could drill a hole in the top put some alcohol in there and light it on fire for visual effect then i went uh it's probably not a good idea since the vehicle's made out of resin right. um then I end up burning oh, down no, the table. No, That'd be an impressive no, sight. No, <laughs> no, yeah, don't ruin the miniature for it. It's, it's easily. Yeah. It was like, I can't have the map open in front of me. It was at least several hexes down the, uh, yeah. it was at least like three hexes down the road. So that would a little be like gunpowder in there, 200, a little smoke and stuff. Woo. 200, yeah. 270 yards down the road. 
Yeah, it's it's way off the okay. table. All right. So uh, so we're pretty set on vehicles. We got all the minis done. Um, so yeah, Mr. Wimmer. Um, haven't really been doing any um, modeling. I've been mostly cleaning, getting ready for the studio. Uh huh. So that's hobby truck. Cool. Want to call it that? Cool. Yeah, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. James. Uh, actually, quite a bit. Um, so I'm not sure if we talked about this on the, on the podcast recently, um, but my goal for forces are now complete. Nice. Um, for a while, I've been chewing on uh, 15 millimeter forces for a certain part of the Gulf War. Uh, I'm not trying to do the whole Gulf War or you know anything like that. Um, long story short, take oh, your first drink. shot. There you go. Uh, I'm talking about. Uh, 15 millimeter U.S. Marine Corps as they appeared in 1991, uh -huh. and 15 uh, millimeter Iraqi Army only. So no Republican Guard because that's not where the Marines were um, in you know Feb in, uh, February of uh, 91. So it's Iraqi Army and U.S. Marine Corps in 15 mil. That's finally done. I've been chewing on that for about a year, and uh, took a huge hiatus between like January and August of 2020 uh, between sit rep commitments and friggin' coronavirus and everything else um, you know 2020 has been a shitty year for everybody um, in August I was finally able to kind of get back on it and I got my Iraqis finished so that's nine T-55s of different stripes some with side skirts some without um, some T-55s have been upgraded to the type 59 type 2 uh, Chinese upgraded knockoffs um, that were very prevalent in, uh, in Iraqi mechanized and armored divisions. Again, Army, no Republican Guard. So no T-62s, no T-72s, no BMPs. Uh, just be, uh, you know, BTRs and um, T-55s of different stripes, you know. And the Marines, um, again, Marine Corps, so in 91. So no Abrams, um, just LAVs, Humvees, and the M60 tanks, uh, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, make your brain jokes now. Um, this is one time when I think we would deserve it. Uh, we're still using M60s in 1991 for crying out loud. Um, the thing that 37 miles an hour max speed. Why not? Yeah. Um, one interesting part of that project was trying to put those ERA panels on there. Uh, so I used the uh, Ryan's Leatherneck set from uh, Team Yankee, uh -huh. and uh, of course that comes like as they would have appeared in 1980s Germany. What Marines would have been doing in Germany in 1980s is beyond me, but it gave me an opportunity to buy the miniature, so I didn't complain. Um, but I did have to make my own uh, ERA panels, and I did have to update the Humvees a little bit. I did have to update the LAVs and the AA-7s and all that stuff to make them 1991. Again, I'm not building a Team Yankee army. I'm just using some Battlefront Team Yankee figures that I was able to kit bash into a 1991 uh, Marine Corps force. So yeah. that's all finally done. I tried my first build video. I don't know if you guys got a chance yeah, to see that. Yeah, we saw it. Yeah. So I got that. Uh, I got that. Uh, yeah. One thing that that box I didn't get to include in there was uh, was no box. There's no box, you know, from the, uh, you know, like shows like what kit I was putting together. I got that sprue um, from um, some friends uh, basically for free. Uh, so I definitely wanted to put that together. A gifted miniature is always, you know, you definitely want to build it and paint it and make it a good job. But otherwise, it's like you didn't think much of the gift or whatever. So I definitely <laughs> did, you know, uh, I definitely wanted to do that. Um, so that got put together in the video, and then that since has been painted and is now posted on our different uh, 
you know, platform. So I think it came out pretty good. Yeah. And, oh, God, what else? Um, that's close to everything. What I've started now is the um, the sort of grab bag or um, swag bag miniature that we got at 2019 Historicon. It's uh, the theme for 2019 Historicon was Jungle Warfare. Oh, so everybody, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's him. yeah, I got mine. Um, I painted mine up yeah, on the what, video once. What scale is he? He's like 32 millimeter. Is He's it 32? It's bigger than 28. I was going to say heroic scale 28, but 32 might be more accurate. Maybe it's heroic because I put him up next to my other 28s and he's like an eight foot, you know, cherry uh, compared to my other guys. So um, he's either a bigger scale or just super heroic, you know, like Marvel comic scale, uh, you know, superhero guy. Mm -hmm. Um, so he's he's primed, and uh, I got the base, I got the green on him, the the uh, zenithal green on there with the airbrush. Um, when I'm going to get to finish him, either today or tomorrow, I don't know. Maybe I might use him for a Tuesday video if live stream. I don't know. I'm not going nice. to try to make a gas painting video. I promise you that. That's just no. I'm not going to embarrass myself. Oh, um, come on. Man. <laughs> that sets the bar pretty high. <laughs> I know, man. Uh, the build video was one thing, but uh, an actual painting video, eh, no, not so much. Yeah, we got a guy that does also the, <laughs> Yeah, totally. Also, those take him like 15, 16 hours to put one of those together. Yeah. So um, this is going to be a tough week for me at work. I just don't have that kind of time for Tuesday. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, that's what I got going on for hobby. Nice. Very good. So everybody's got a little bit of something going on. So uh, to change gears again... Um, as we wanted to make an uh, announcement regarding the St. Valentine's weekend, we have official sponsors. Yeah, that's true. We yeah. do have official sponsors. Uh, one of them is Knuckle Duster Miniatures. Yep. Do you want to talk about the, you've been working on the sponsorship, so. so uh, yeah, so Forrest from, uh, from Knuckle Duster was kind enough to provide us uh, a rule set, which, by the way, that's a beautiful book. Yeah. I, I mean. For which game? Uh, that is for uh, Gunfighter's Ball. Yep. And then uh, also providing us a, uh, a deck of cards to go with it. Yep. You know, the player cards. And then uh, uh, a blister pack of minis, and I'm drawing a blank on which, which set it was. But I don't remember. But, they're, I mean, his work is really nice. And, and the miniatures are, are really nice as well. Uh, and not to jump the news, but Knuckle Duster announced that their prices are going to start to go up next month. So jump in and uh, get your Knuckle Duster stuff now before... Yep. Uh, before it goes up, as well as the, uh, they're going to discontinue their original Old West line, I think it is. <gasps> no! Yeah. yeah, well, the the molds are yeah. have reached a certain age. And, and those were all hand-sculpted. He's now digitally sculpting yeah. everything, so. Yeah, so so if you are interested in that stuff, jump in there now yeah. while, while you still can. Uh, additionally, uh, we have uh, uh, a sponsorship commitment from... Uh, Joe Veltry at uh, God's Eye Games. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uh, is going to provide one of each of his rule sets. So uh, he's got, I'm trying to think of it all. So there's Contact Front, yep. which I'm most familiar with because I play that a lot. Uh, he also has uh, uh, their latest game, Gunfighter's uh, Paradise. No, their Gunslinger. Western game? Gunslinger Paradise. Gunslinger Paradise, yep. yep. Uh, which, uh, you know, if you're familiar with the TV show Wild Wild West, you remember the graphics that they yep. have uh, uh, at the bump and whatnot? The, the book is uh, has a lot of that kind of vibe to it. It's, it's pretty uh, cool. Pretty cool looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also has, uh, what is it, Sons of Mars, and then 
other one? I didn't know there was another one. Yeah, there's four games. Uh, uh, Is that a fantasy game? Uh, Ancients. I don't know. I don't have, I'm not in front of my computer yeah, at the moment. But so God Eye Games will be sponsoring and. So. Uh, don't we have a verbal from Footsore? from uh, Tim? Did we reach? We Tim was interested. I know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what that. We don't know what, to what extent, there, there but he expressed on, on what it would be. Yeah, he, he's expressed interest. Um, I can tell you, uh, we'll reach out to our buddy over at White Dragon Miniatures and um, see what we can do there. Um, and then we have a few others, and we're trying to do something. I know Chris was reaching out to Firelock Games because um, they have a new Kickstarter coming up in next week, I think it is, uh, or the week uh, after. Starts, I think it the 18th, 19th? No, I think it's the 6th. Is it that early? I thought it was later in the month. Um, so, yeah, we've got a lot of good stuff going. October 6th. October 6th, thank you. Yeah. Tomorrow. Crap, is it already tomorrow? Okay. Yeah, so... Uh, so a little blood and plunder, and these are plastic kits. Yes, I was gonna say, and now now they have switched to, to uh, all plastic stuff, and yeah, and the preview stuff looks really nice. That's when you know a company is doing well, or they got a good investor, because plastic molds are extremely expensive right. to make. Um, that's why a lot of smaller companies use white metal um, and resin because the molds are easier and less costly and so you can make them um and a lot of people can cast those in their you know home workshops so when you start doing uh plastic uh, miniatures then you're really stepping it up to the next level because of the costs um so good for them good yeah. for them um so we still so the, ga the gaming week is still on um i don't know if anybody's caught conversation i think thursday night but i am uh moving to florida to the florida keys actually uh dawn and i got jobs at a hospital down in key west um i had uh walked away from my job up here in illinois things were just getting too crazy um and an opportunity presented itself in the florida keys so we're moving to the florida keys um but we're keeping our house up here bill's on the lamb i'm on the lamb we're running um <laughs> Yeah, I just turned in my badge, too. That really hurt. Uh, anyway, um, so, but the gaming weekend's still on, guys, as of right now. Uh, if for some reason we have to cancel it, you will know by no later than November 1. That's our drop-dead date. So if by November 1 we decide it's still going and then something happens with, we will come up with an alternate local accommodation here to uh do it so once november comes around that is our drop dead date so either it's a go or no go by november one as of right now it is a go yeah and the, the only thing that uh that i can see uh later on down the road that might change affect whatever is you know if there's like some crazy covid yeah flare so. kind of thing and the state says hey you can't gather in groups right. of more than 10 you know, you know, like when yeah. we started the lockdown yeah. kind of thing. It's just a continuation of 2020, so it's not outside of the realm of us. Yeah, right. Well, we're not going to continue 2020, right? Yeah. So uh, another thing is I know there's a couple people that are interested in attending as well. Um, one of the guys that's creating, helping create the second edition skirmish rules, yes? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Nathan, uh, who is... Uh, he wrote some uh, wrote some of the scenarios for yep. the first edition. Yeah. Now he is uh, uh, 
uh, helping uh, create and edit the uh, second edition. If you look in the second edition, when they're, uh, if you're looking at the examples, it says Nathan rolls up and Nathan does this. <laughs> That's Nathan. Uh, he and I have uh, traded a bunch of uh, uh, messages back and forth on, on Facebook. Uh, uh, messenger he seems like a really good dude and he lives locally he's here in the chicago metro area so, yeah uh you know we would we would love to be able to say hey look we we have the guy here that right cool, right so uh there's a lot in the works um so we definitely uh going to make it a worthwhile weekend so we still have a few tickets left uh if anybody's interested you know it's been a little slow lately because we haven't been promoting it as heavily as we'd like to um you know with covid and everything going on so um we it's definitely still on and we still have a couple spaces left and you get to meet the gym yeah oh and you'll get to meet our bob ross that's right big big jim Ariskany. yeah big jim will be there gaz will be there you'll get the you know you can paint you can get a painting time with our bob ross right. we're, yeah we're gonna have a hobby table yeah uh you know kind of a uh kind of a paint and tank except yeah. we're all gonna be you know able to paint together yeah you know so not not necessarily a straight up uh like lesson or tutorial but you know well, you never know. He might well, do, a, you know what? Do that is an excellent idea. It. You know, we have a few Sergeant Sit reps sitting over there. Or maybe we can get one of our sponsors to provide a miniature and Gas can take him through a painting session. Great. Yeah, Grand cool. idea, Marty. Glad you thought of it. All right. So if you're out there listening <laughs> and you'd like to sponsor us for uh, 25 to 30 miniatures, uh, you go ahead and reach out to the uh, Sit Rep podcast on any of our social media. <laughs> All right, so um, we're going to switch gears a little bit again. Uh, it's along the same lines of moving. So like I announced, so I'm, I'm moving down to the Keys, and our house down in the Keys is quite a bit smaller than my current home. Your spacious, luxurious mansion. Yeah. Well, the, it's not that crazy, but... The, the, the sit-rep bunker. The sit-rep bunker. So um, I'm going to have limited space for gaming slash hobbying. I'm not even going to take 99% of my stuff out of my house. Since we're not selling my house, my sister's going to be living in my house. Um, I'm just going to seal the hobby bunker. That's right. That's and right. so she has no access, right? Um, but the point is, is what do I take that I can hobby on those less than ideal boating, swimming, diving, fishing days, right? Because uh, our plan is we've already bought a boat for down there, and it's, we have a, we're on a canal, so we can you know go right out to the reef. But um, what do I take that's space conservative um, that I can still game? Well, obviously, the first thing will be my Avalon Hill games, uh, because Jim is only going to be about four hours, if that, away from me, so we can have some more gaming weekends. Um, if you want to paint, take your uh, Gloomhaven and uh, Zombicide yeah. uh, stuff, and that's enough for you to paint for the next four years. Right. What I'm thinking of taking is my <laughs> six mil Napoleonics that yeah. I have. Yeah, those are easy um, to transport. So I'm going to take those. Um, I'm going to take my North Hag because that's 10 mil. And Victory I'm going to take my Victory at Sea because that's 1800 scale. Um, and I think that'll do me for, you know, for hobbying for a while. I could take all my uh, Warhammer Epic stuff because if you haven't learned by now, I love micro scale. Why? I don't know. I think it's just really cool. You can do so much on a really tiny little scale. So I, I've always been a fan of micro scale. I mean, I'm looking at my three millimeter M1 Abrams uh, team right there. You know, I got four M1 Abrams on a base that I 3D printed. So... 
So, you know, that's that's what I'm doing. So the conversation is, uh, you know, we end up to this podcast here is to throw it out to you guys and to Jim and to Marty. If you had to downsize to a very small tropical cottage, if you will, what would you take? Uh, everything I have, because I already work in a space smaller than that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get the loft. And I don't have all of it. All right. Yeah, so. <laughs> Let's put it this way. If you could only take two Rubbermaid containers, you know, those totes that you store, like, your Christmas stuff in, you know, right. what would you take? Wow. Okay. So. I, I hate to say it, but that's kind of the size of my house. Well, no, that's not really true. Uh, that's the I've size seen of my your terrain. cabinet, Jim. Come on now. Yeah. I, I forgot about the cabinet. Yeah, the gaming cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> um. Man, yeah, because you know, the, you know, I'm thinking about the stuff I have, and I'm like, you know, would what would you what would you take? Because you know, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to load it up with terrain and empty space and right. whatnot. Because like, I've got a bunch of buildings, but those take up the ones I have now currently take up a lot of space. Yep. But uh, so I I think I would take so first of all, I don't have the extensive collections uh, that you guys do, so I could literally throw. All of my modern miniatures, uh, you know, into uh, uh, a shoebox and, and still have them wrapped in plastic <laughs> and, and bubble wrap, uh, you know, so they don't get damaged. So, uh, you know, I would definitely take that. Um, uh, I would uh, I would load up uh, my rule sets. Okay. Probably a couple play mats. Uh-huh. You know, so that way I've got, uh, you know something basic to play on that doesn't take up a lot of space. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and I guess I, I guess I would really, you know, obviously my, my paints and stuff. Yeah. Um, um, can you see your brush and compressor going to take up a bunch? Well, all my paint and stuff would take up a whole tote. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah but I've, <laughs> I've got a tenth of, of the amount of paints that you do. So, uh, all right. So, um, cool. Uh, any games like you know like i said my avalon hill games um do you have any like you know all-in-one games that you would consider taking in that limited space uh, i'm trying to think of like what i've got that's a, like a box game that i would take maybe crisis protocol yeah uh, escape from uh, coldest do you have escape yeah. from coldest yeah oh that. i love that game um Jim, have you played I, uh, Escape from Colditz? I, I do. Have uh, an, no, I have not. I, I, I do have an Avalon Hill game. I've got Band of Brothers. That's not Avalon Hill. Or, uh, sorry, box game. Yeah. Uh, but I've got Band of Brothers. Yeah. You know, and that's yeah. That that's really compact when it's packed up. Yep. Um, you know, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of Dust, but I, I have more Dust stuff than that already. Right. You know, uh, it, as it turns out, once it's built. It, it takes, it up, takes a up a lot of room. room. It does. You know, the yeah. miniature, the, the figures themselves. Well, remember, it's 32 scale. Right. And then once once you start getting into the vehicles, yeah. you know, then they're funky shapes and, yeah. you know, they're fairly large. Yeah. You know, those, those those would be challenging. Like, I could take the figures probably, but I wouldn't yeah. be able to take on my vehicles. Which, yeah. You know, the walkers are what, that's what makes the game. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's the, it's the big <laughs> clunky things. Jim, how about you? Oh, um, uh, at the risk of sounding coy, I would fold up my laptop. Um, most of my games are in my laptop at this point. Yeah. Uh, 
for physical stuff, um, all my battle group books are a few, uh, you know, maybe a cubic foot or so. Uh, I've got about seven of them. Um, Valor and Victory, the binder, some of the counters I've made up. Uh, although, again, I have that all on computer. Uh, the three Avalon Hill classics, Panzer Litz, Panzer Blitz, Panzer Leader, and uh, Arab Israeli Wars. But you have that on your um, computer. Yeah, but there's something about those original games. Yes. Like, they're, yes. you know, I mean, the boxes are literally falling apart at this point. Uh-huh. Um, but still, they're, you know. There's the tactile and, you know, is the smell it, of the game. And the, I know it sounds weird, but the, there's a smell. It's like a classic, I don't know how to put it, but. Musty. Musty, get out of here. It kind of, yeah. It it's, like it's, it's a security. It smells like victory. Yeah. Like oh, I have that. It's a security blanket, um, right? Yeah, and uh, yeah, as many miniatures as I could bring because I just, you know, I mean, I've got freaking so damn many of them. Um, yeah, people have seen that that gaming cabinet uh, that my dad built for me. That obviously won't fit into Rubbermaid bins. If you took all the miniatures out of it and packed them extremely carefully, you could probably fit a good piece of that, uh, if not all of it, uh, yep. into a, a you know a rubber. It would weigh about eighty two pounds, but it, you know you, you could actually fit it in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I could take most of my stuff. I honestly don't know if I would take too much painting stuff. If I was really stuck down to just like a couple minis. Mm-hmm. Um, and also my painting stuff, I am the world's cheapest painter. I am a cheap-ass bastard when it comes to paint. Oh, I use GW this. I use Citadel that. I use Apple Barrel from the freaking craft store. Um, it, and, and it works. It I mean, does. It I've got some longer. on my paint table. It, it takes longer, um, and uh, it just takes uh, maybe a uh, you know. It's not like you know contrast where the uh-huh. paint like sort of like paints a miniature for you or whatever. You have to be a lot more careful. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, wherever I'm going, I would just go to the craft store and spend ten bucks, buy the paints I need for that particular project, yeah. and knock it out. So yeah, no, that that would be my answer. Um, my my Avalon, not all my Avalon Hill games. Uh, my Rise in the Clown of the Third Reich, I literally just have because it it's the first work game I ever owned. Mm-hmm. I have it on the shelf i look at it once in a while that's a, uh, that's a, that's a deep commitment right there yeah that that's a, that's at least a week um and you need like two or three other players to come along that journey with you and yeah. that just doesn't happen these days um yeah gw assaults again that's like team yankee done the way that kind of conflict really needs to be done it's uh-huh. basically panzer leader for the 1980s except it's like panzer leader squared it's it makes pains of the year look like you know chinese checkers it's, it's a serious <laughs> game um again i have it mostly for security blanket purposes i just look at it once in a while yeah uh yeah those three games panzer leader panzer blitz arab israeli wars um a few books uh and as many miniatures as i could as, as you know i can fit in there that would yeah. be my answer you know you you brought up a good point jim um you know when you said when you first said i just fold up my laptop because nowadays, you know, I was just thinking about this because we talked about this yesterday, Marty, Chris, and I, um, with Virtual Tabletop Simulator, where, you know, we could, Chris, be in here in Chicagoland, and Marty eventually moves to Texas, and uh, I'm in Florida. You know, we want to get in a game of skirmish. You know, we can do it through Tabletop Simulator. So, I, you know, obviously, Virtual World is the way things are going. But, and that makes it easy when you want to play remotely. And then you have the, your Excel setup, which I'm just amazed that you do that in Excel. I, I, I honestly, it's amazing that you can do that. I would never have thought to do that, honestly. Um, so I think that's cr- pretty cool. 
Um, you know, and then there's some other versions out there, but when it comes down to it, you know, in all fairness, it's a, it's Excel and Photoshop. Yeah. Cause all the pieces have to be made and stored somewhere. Yeah. Um, that's the, actually the, where the real work comes in. The, the, the Excel is just really a, a display, uh, but to actually make the pieces and make the game really work. Any two or three hour game has two or three hours in Photoshop before that. Yeah. Easy. Well, it's just amazing. But that you're able it's to still do that. laptop. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, the laptop is, a war gamer's future, you know, on, in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah, it, yeah especially, uh, you know, as we've discovered this year, uh, you know, not being able to do anything uh, in person. Yeah. You know, uh, there's been a lot of a lot of people trying to figure out how to do things uh, remotely and virtually. Yeah. And, you know, Jim, you've done, so we've done classic games. You know, we've done Panzer Leader, Panzer Blitz with you. Uh, uh, we've done, you know, like Air War, C-21, you know, we've done a lot of those games. We've even done oh, miniature God. games. We did Contact Front, yeah. you know, and you've and done RPG. You've done uh, HK Ops. Right. Um, speaking of done, which, are we, we going to see it. another series of HK Ops soon? We can do some HK Ops. It depends on how it's, I know like two people out of our original group are definitely interested. Yeah. I need more than two. Yeah. No, I um, mean, I've had a lot of people saying, Hey, when's the next, you know, HK ops going to happen. So, um, obviously people enjoy it. Be, so they need to be talking to me then. And they need, I mean, <laughs> a, a role playing game, a role playing game is, is a big commitment Yeah, because it is. it's a, I mean, all the work that I goes into one of these war games, like square that yeah. for HK ops, HK ops is a huge amount of work. And um, the, the kind of storytelling that I like to do is like at least six episodes as far as, you know, plots, interpersonal, you know, bullshit or whatever. It's got, it can't just be, I mean, we could run games. We, we could run an HK Ops game right now. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, it'd be more like a skirmish Sangin game, you know, operator one, two, three, four, and Sergeant Sid Rep go into a Colombian drug lab uh, out in the jungle somewhere. We have 15 hostiles and here are their coordinates and let's, you know, it's basically a skirmish war game. Um, I don't think that's why people play role-playing games. People want to, really sink into their character yeah um that's what we're really going for here our system is simple but it's heavily based on the old uh white wolf 1991 system uh you know back before they ruined it um <laughs> but anyway um but uh yeah it's uh it's, it's a lot of work so a couple people saying hey yeah i like to try a session uh, one time. Now we need at least four or five people, and we need people to sink the next two to three months of their life into this. Yeah. And uh, until I get a real commitment uh, on that on those levels, um, yeah, I, I'm not going to be able to justify the amount of uh, uh, leading work uh, that goes into it. Right. Um, no, but it's totally always on the table. Yeah. I, I absolutely have all the assets. I have the rules. Uh, we have you know, an old group. I'm sure if we start a new group, a lot of the old, or at least a couple of the old players will still be into it. Yep. Um, there's at least two or three of them I know that are interested in it, but I, I need like four or five. Yeah. Four or five for comfort. I need at least four. Five for comfort because, you know, people can make all the promises they, they, they want and mean it, but then something happens. Yeah. You know? Life gets in the way that totally, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm looking for five, I mean, tier one RPGers. I'm not talking about, oh, yeah, I could do something on a Saturday night one day. Oh, wait, the wife wants a spaghetti and meatballs tonight. Sorry, I'm bailing on you. Yeah, fuck that. Uh, I need five real players. Yeah. For real. 
There you go. You heard it from the man himself. All right, guys. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up the uh, podcast. Any final thoughts from anybody out there? Marty? You know, I'm, uh, I'm just excited as uh, we uh, uh, play the game uh, for our 13 hours, and then uh, you know we start uh, really getting into the meat and potatoes here in the near future on our uh, gaming weekend. Yeah. It's going to be good times. Yep. So tally everybody. Gaming weekend. Are we, are, are, we, uh, are we gearing up for some more pirate content once uh, uh, 13 hours or 13 days is wrapped up? Yeah, we're going to have to talk about the, uh, what's the next step. Yeah, so, people have spoken. And yeah, that, that, that was, was our poll, so it looks like we're going pirates. Arg. That's why you're moving to Florida, right? Yeah, that's why I'm moving to Florida. Yeah. And I got a boat, you know, the Black Pearl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Well, I mean, does it get any more dedicated than that? Oh, you said pirates? I'm going to the Keys. Right. So, all right, guys. Uh, Jim, any final thoughts? Uh, no, I'm all set. All right. Uh, Chris? I'm good. All right. So this is Bill for the rest of the command team. Uh, for Gaz, who unfortunately is under the weather, and for Chris, who's fighting a polar bear, um, we want to say thank you for joining us. Please make sure you comment and follow along on all our programming. Remember, we have contests. Remember, we have a gaming weekend. We've got sponsors. It's going to be fun. Um, so the next time you hear this podcast, I'll be recording it in the Florida Keys. Uh, hopefully it's snowing like a mother up here in Chicago, and I'll be in 80-degree weather. Hurricane. So, <laughs> so until the we're, next we're time, guys. mostly out of uh, – sorry, go ahead. Go, go ahead, Jeb. I was just saying, we're mostly out of hurricane season. Yeah, we, yeah. We got, we, for... we, got a, we got about two weeks left, two real weeks left. It is 2020. Well, Bill's going to wish me a blizzard. I'm, I'm wishing him a hurricane. <laughs> Turn it off, fair play. <laughs> So, all right, guys. So, for the Sit Rep Podcast Command Crew, we thank you for following along with us. Our uh, our subscribers keep climbing, and uh, we appreciate getting out the word. A lot of positive comments. Um, Paul B, look for your care package to go out, and you should be receiving it hopefully very soon. Um, that's the North Hag Prize Pack. And make sure you comment, and follow along, and we will see you on the next show. Take care. <laughs>